Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Greetings, Bethany Covenant. So nice to be here. Um, I should say back here. I was here, was it a couple of months ago or a while ago to do the Finding Your Why um, workshop. And so it's great to be here. So when Pastor Ben asked me to preach, I was excited. I know this church. I've been to this church. Um, Your graciousness hosts so many events for the East Coast Conference. And so we all who are active in the East Coast Conference know this church. So I I was happy. I was excited. And then he said, so now we're talking about bonsai trees. And I don't have a green thumb. And as as hard as I try, I have the distinct pleasure of killing almost every plant I bring into my house. So I asked my husband, who is the resident plant person in our house, um, and even so much so when we go on vacations, my husband is actually the one who has a plant plan for our vacations. So I asked him, and I'll be honest, it was kind of a test, right? I said, so do you know what these bonsai trees are? To which he said, oh, okay, well, you want a bonsai tree? Well, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to be very specific in how we water them. We have to be very good about making sure that they're in the right size plant. Um, We have to be very specific about the integrity of the plant. So I thought to myself, bonsai trees, very specific to the integrity of the plant. And so today I will be following in the series that you are doing about the integrity of the covenant, right? What makes and keeps the covenant the covenant? And it's not to say that the covenant is the best and brightest denomination. Our former president, Gary Walters, used to say, we all have fleas, it's just that we are the one with the least fleas. So, you know, uh, but we still have these affirmations. And to fully appreciate our denomination and how it's different from maybe the Southern Baptist Convention or the United Methodist Church or the Assemblies of God, it's good to take a closer look. So I know you've talked a couple, you've talked about uh, a couple of the affirmations. You've talked about the centrality of the word, and you've talked about the necessity of birth in Christ. And so this morning, I'm going to spend just a short time talking to you about our commitment to the whole mission of the church. Our commitment to the whole mission of the church. And so I love talking about this for so many reasons. For one, I did not grow up in the covenant, and that affirmation kind of draws me in, the whole mission of the church. It reminds me that we are all part of God's mission here on this earth, that the redemptive work of God is meant for us all, that the church is the mission, and while this is a central part of being a covenanter, it's also a central part of being in God's kingdom, that God's rectifying work is available to all that we 
we're called and that we're called to participate in that work. You know, and that starts from the very beginning. So in the scripture this morning, we're going to look at Genesis verse 12, starting at chapter 1. And so the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morai in Shechem. At that time, the, Canaanite, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel in the west and Ai in the east. Therefore, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. So, as we know, Abram, who later becomes Abraham, is a key figure in the biblical text. In Genesis alone, we see his life span over 12 chapters. We read about him not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. And in Galatians, he is mentioned as the father of all who believe. So, you know, he's like the Michael Jordan of sports, or for the younger folk, I think it's like the Taylor Swift, or as people say, he's the goat, right? And as we read in Genesis 11, okay, we're going to, before we get to Abraham, before we get to God sending out Abraham, we're going to read in Genesis 11 that the people we're getting a little shaky. God's people, we're getting a little shaky. In Genesis 11, we read how they had become proud and boastful about what they did, what they do. And they started to believe, these are God's people, they started to believe that they should stay in the land, build temples to make a name for themselves. In fact, we can go to Genesis 11, chapter 11, verse 3. And it says, come, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So these are Noah's descendants and they've become very proud, and they want to make a name for themselves, so they want to build something to the heavens. They wanted to solidify their own power. They wanted to make sure that they stayed powerful in their own land, not being diluted by others. 
We do not need any foreigners on this land. We do not need any outsiders on this land. We are the greatest and the most powerful. That's kind of what they were saying. When I sometimes see our churches embrace and, and our Christian fellow brothers and sisters embrace this individualistic ideology, I'm confused. One that kind of rests on keeping to ourselves, keeping foreigners out, keeping others out of our neighborhoods, out of our schools, out of our country. That does not come from God. And that, when that was happening in the text, we actually see God call Abram out. And that this is the point where we see him call Abram and say, go. I want you to go to a new land. Abram's call was very special. God called him out of a wayward and rebellious world to be a light. He becomes a central character in the redemptive work of Christ. So God tells Abraham, Abram to leave, to become that foreigner in a new land, a nomad, a wanderer, obedient to God. He was to witness his obedience and God's teaching and to be a leader of people of all nations. Through him, the blessing of all people would come. And so Abram did. This was not a nationalistic calling. This was a universal calling made for the sake of all God's people. When you think about God's people, if you're thinking in an individualistic way, if you're thinking simply about your own salvation, if you're thinking about the, your own redemptive work that you were doing in your own family, your own church, your own community, then you might be behaving like Noah's descendants and not like Abram. Our God is an expansive God. Let's look at that verse again. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on the earth, not just some people. Not just people that look like you, not just people that think like you, all peoples. Not just the holy and most sanctified. Mm -mm. We put those descriptors on people. God's an expansive God. We sometimes become like Noah's descendants. God invites us all into the fellowship of believers. God invites us all, and so does the Covenant Church. I didn't grow up in the Covenant Church, as I said. I grew up church, though. Uh, I went to church every Sunday. When I was younger, they called it Sunday school. I think today we, we don't use Sunday school with the kids, youth church and but I went to Sunday school, and you could find me in the same seat every Sunday at St. Catherine's AME Zion Church. And I love my home church. 
the church I grew up in. But at some point, I attended a covenant church. And I had this familiar feeling, like this nostalgic feeling. And it was because it was the covenant. It was a place that had these affirmations, as we call them, that I could understand. They spoke to me. And the commitment to the whole mission of the church invited me and drew me in to this life and history and tradition of the covenant. I'm reminded that the very roots of our church are about the whole mission of the church. Our ancestors, the Swede, the Swedish state church, to travel here to the states where they could come together, both men and women, in small groups to study the word together. That it wasn't about structures and institutions, but it was about the living God. We can't forget that in these times when the word immigrant can evoke many feelings and images that our covenant ancestors were immigrants, strangers in this land. And they came here so that everyone could have access to God's word. At that time, we were called mission friends, bound together by the Holy Spirit with a wholehearted reliance on the word of God, sharing the gospel. They knew the assignment. Their God, our God, is an expansive God. So God said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Our blessing is not for ourselves. Did you see that? I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He does say, I'll bless you, but he says, you will be a blessing. Our blessing is not for ourselves. When, when God sends us out, when God sent Abram out, it was so that others can be blessed. It's not an individual thing. We are on mission not for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of others. The whole mission of the church means, of course, reaching every one of God's people. The living spirit which indwells in us gives us all we need to follow the heart of God in loving his people, to rectify the wrongs in this world, to love the unlovable, to give grace to those you find unbearable, to find room in your heart for the ragged and wretched, the despised and even the repulsive, Oh, that's right. The living spirit can do that. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it's hard. But if you call yourself a child of the God of Abraham, then it is your call. Whose call? Amen. Whose mission? Amen. Our God is an expansive God. Let me go back to the text. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. 
Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the size of the great tree of Morah and Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards Negev. Abram obeyed, and he was older. He took all his possessions. He was 75. Now, now that's, that's not old to all my... I'm not calling that old. It's mature. He was mature. <laughs> he took all his possessions, all his people, and he did what God said. And this was not like a stroll down a beautifully manicured hiking trail. No. And then he settled in the land of Canaan. That's a foreign land. So likewise, it is not sometimes easy for us to share the gospel, to be obedient when the Lord calls us sometimes to places that are not so comfortable, to places where people might speak a different language, have different political beliefs, have different backgrounds. But I would say one of the greatest gifts of the Christian witness in times of disruption, in times of uncertainty, in times of polarization, the great witness is that we can be reconciled across national, racial, cultural, economic barriers. Isn't that right? We can be reconciled. That is what we learn from God all throughout the text beginning with Abraham and the Old Testament and with the earthly ministry of Jesus, we see a God that is constantly engaging with those that are other, those that are different, with the outsiders, the outcasts, the foreigners. That's what we see all throughout the text. Our God, he's an expansive God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, writes in Life Together that genuine community is born only after we are first overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others. And if we are fortunate with ourselves, by sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period in a dream world. When we are honest, when I am honest, when I admit that differences, our differences in this country can sometimes be overwhelming, our disappointment in how we see people treat each other can sometimes be overwhelming. But if we call God in, if we invite God in, God can overwhelm anything and anyone with his possibilities, with his grace, and with his power. 
the way of the gospel is not the way of the world. If we're going to actively participate in a commitment to the whole mission of the church, we will undoubtedly run in to times and people that make this affirmation hard to live by. But just as God was with Abraham when he called him out, God was with Philip and the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch in the New Testament when Philip shared the word of God. God is with you, each and every one of you. Because our God, he's an expansive God. A commitment to the whole mission of the church is active. We are to be actively engaged in the world around us. If your God makes you want to turn inward, wants, wants you to just worship with people like yourself, wants you to just worry about your own salvation, wants you to just worry about the building and, and, and your house and, and, and you, and wants you to stand by while God's children are being slaughtered, either by words of hate that incite violence, are tools made by man's hands that inflict death on others. If that is the God you serve, then you just might be like Noah's descendants. Instead, the whole mission means the whole mission of God's glorious kingdom, seeking and reaching the far and near, the despised and loved, the ones we agree with and the ones we do not. It means rectifying the wrongs, we see the pains we see and sharing the gospel, not only with the brokenhearted, but those who are severely wrecked by the ills of the, the world. Those hurting and those rejoicing. It means seeking justice for the disenfranchised, the marginalized. Our God can do it and he sent you to do it because our God is an expansive God. So the Great Commission does not discriminate. It's an equal opportunity commandment. And this is who we are as covenanters. People who seek to do God's will, filled with the Holy Spirit, cradled by the hands of God, this is our mission. Whose mission? Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for what you do in all of us, God. We thank you for giving us everything we need to go out and seek others and share your word, Lord. We know that when we walk and, and abide in you, the flames ignite in others in ways that we can't understand. So, Lord, just continue to build us up with courage and with hope, Lord, and with forgiveness, Lord, and with patience, Lord, so that we can do the good work. We can participate in your good work that you're doing here on this, here on this earth. Lord, we, we know it's our mission. We know it's our mission. We ask all these things in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen.